1: I saw a UFO up there. Yeah. Did you see that? Uh huh. It's an assortment of lights. A lot going on. There's so much. Oh my God. That's
2: so exciting. This is our third and best show in
1: Dallas. (laughs) Yes. Oh, I ruined it. My pocket's out. I ruined it. It's no (laughs) longer the best show. Let's do it. Let's start over. God damn it. Take it from the top. This shirt needs to be burned. Let's just say that. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even do, give a Passover. <laughs> um, no,
2: I love it. There's hair. There's the tears and sweat of
1: others, and myself, <laughs> combined.
2: I realized today that all the clothes I brought uh, to Texas smell like barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> And I haven't even been in a barbecue restaurant. It's not like I've been in a restaurant. It's all eating things backstage and in the hotel room. Yeah. And yet...
1: And also, where was the picture that you sent me today? I sent
2: her a photo of a trough of mac and cheese. Close up. Very close up. It was a close up. Um, That was actually just Whole Foods, but I... Oh. I don't. I just thought it would be a good photo because we didn't like text that morning. We hadn't texted all day, so I was like, "This will be a funny thing just to send to one randomly." But then after that, fuck you guys. Okay. Did you just say fuck you guys no, to no, no, Dallas? No. That's no. crazy.
1: They will get oh so God.
2: mad at you. <laughs> no, fuck okay. comma you guys. Okay. okay. No, because, alright, lo- I love LA, however, <laughs> if I had to move somewhere, it would be a place that has a really fucking good barbecue in a gas station.
1: Would that gas station be our friend Bucky's gas station? <laughs> yeah, that's right, we know the lingo now, we can fucking speak your language. Yep. Bucky Nuggets, 1000. Yeah.
2: I ate those, too, today. Oh. So good. How, how can you not? I mean, it's like cotton candy in your mouth. But beavers... But beavers.
1: <laughs> Don't. Stop it! <laughs> this is supposed to be the best show! Was it really at the gas station? Yeah, there's a fucking just whatever
2: gas station, and then there's a barbecue place and a drive through <laughs> In the gas station. And it was like really good barbecue. Were you
1: still asleep? <laughs> no.
2: And then I took it back to the hotel room and sat and ate barbecue in the hotel room. Yeah. And while Vince watched football, and I was just like, this is my life. The and I The fucking life. This is the life. Free glass of rosé from the, ho- the downstairs hotel area. Oh, did you go mingle? I know. I fucking grabbed a glass of wine and went upstairs
1: <laughs> to eat my barbecue in peace. <laughs> You're like... Do you have any pitchers or large containers, maybe a flower vase that I could take with me? I don't want to mix with these people.
2: Vince did really uh, disappoint me in our marriage, though, because... Oh, no. And, like, this is, you know, he's amazing. But I went to the... They're like, they pour you glasses glass, don't like rosé. It's like two to six rosé hour or whatever the fuck. And then the guy goes to pour two glasses and he goes, Oh, no, just one, I don't want one. And I was like, no, dude, you get a second glass for me! <laughs> Team playing yeah, at all times. But it probably was a sign of you're drinking too much.
1: Do you think he was quietly judging you? No, he wouldn't do no. that. Now, with counterpoint, Vince. <laughs> you just, just talk massive shit on him, and then I like hand the microphone over. Well, that's interesting. I have nothing to say about it. Maybe Vince does. <laughs> Why is he on the ground? Um, (laughs) There he is. He's down in the the little opera spot where you can call for your line. Down in the old, (laughs) this is an old theater reference I'm making, only certain people understand. Uh, Wanna know what I did? Yes. Um, I got a massage. Oh, I know. In the hotel. Fancy, right? That's amazing. It's so much easier to communicate with you when we have a crab-like clasp on each other. <laughs> the
2: um, intensity of that. Yes.
1: Um, it's a conduit. <laughs> <laughs> so I call down, I look, this is brilliant. If you have a business that has, you offer two things that don't go together. Put them on the same menu because as I was ordering breakfast I was like oh massages it was right fucking there which I've never seen before Together. and it's so smart I was like I want oatmeal oh and I want someone to rub my back Yes. <laughs> and in at this place they have forehand massage which means two people massage you at one time I feel like that
2: that's a creepy way to say that forehand massage what isn't a creepy
1: way to explain what that might be. Yeah. I
2: feel like, two, hey, two people massage you at the same time.
1: Okay. Four hands from, my, from who knows where. <laughs> Coming up what? out of the walls, in the ground. Yeah. They're all strangely silver and gray. Yeah. Don't worry about it. You're face down. <laughs>
2: yeah what species of hand are we talking about but two people
1: oh interesting you say that monkey hands that's (laughs) when you read the small print monkey and raccoon hands so one's too small and one's too strong and could kill you that'd
2: be pretty cute that
1: would be sweet until you die right right i am so catholic i could not order the forehand massage i was like That's not right. I can't, I can't ask for that. That's too much enjoyment in this life. Who am I?
2: I think that's the perfect way, though, to, like, treat yourself without guilt, is always have one thing that's too much. So, like, even if you want, like, well, I'm not going to get a Lexus. I'll just get a, what's one step down from Lexus?
1: Oh, clearly, it's it's a Dodge Charger. (laughs) Yes. But what you really wanted was the Dodge Charger to begin with. Oh, you... Inside your mind you're doing all of this or to to someone on the street? To yourself. Okay. Writing it on paper, or just this is a mental situation? You have
2: your Jewish friend tell you that Uh, you're worth it and you deserve it. Come on.
1: Because that's how we are. That's our new thing. That's our new campaign. Everyone get a Jewish friend. (laughs) Because she'll say, you know, I think
2: you, I can can justify any purchase for anyone (laughs) in a way that makes you, like, proud. Like, yeah, you're right. I should get that. Alexa, or I don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. I should get a raccoon paw massage.
1: <laughs> I deserve I raccoons. You deserve this. She's right. I work hard. Imagine, because you've seen raccoons wash their food, right? And it's so thorough and fast. <laughs> the little, they do that? The little, little but it's on your shoulder. <laughs> and they stare at you. Did I ever tell you about that time? I thought this was right before I got my dog George and I was here I was by myself in my house and I would hear shit every night and just be like here we go This is it. I knew it. Here we go (laughs) Every fucking night. That's when I started sleeping in front of the TV because anytime I would go into my bed There would be some weird noise. I'd be like great Dead I I have that party tomorrow, but now I'm gonna be murdered (laughs) So But I always knew I was, you know, that it was probably just all that shit they say, the house settling, or a man living in your attic, or whatever. (laughs) The things people tell you. Yeah. But this one night, I hear a sound, that I swear to God, this sound, what I pictured in my mind when I heard it, was someone threw an old-fashioned word processor against the back wall of my house. (laughs) I don't know why, but that's exactly what it sounded like. Like a huge crash? A a crash with plastic involved? Like
2: an outdated electronic machine crash.
1: It was like one of the guys from Office Space. Instead of this, they were like this. It was that feel. That's scary. It fucking scared the shit out of me, right? So, (laughs) I go to check, and we we used to have a cat. Mm Mm-hmm. I never talk about him. His name is Angus. Don't mention it to me. My cat, Angus, who was feral, awful, long hair, which is the fucking worst in a pet of any breed. Mean. He. I watched him almost scratch out. I've told you that story where he's hiding. There was like something leaned against the wall and my 18-month-old niece went and was like let's stay over here and right as she leaned down the cat paw was like this with all nails out (laughs) toward face yeah and that's what pete ran and just picked her up really fast so it was oh it was like one of those like it was a matrixy this but she wasn't (laughs) leaning it was just (laughs) guys anyway i can't remember the story i was telling oh because (laughs) so we had this built-in cat door Uh
2: huh oh no,
1: yes. don't do that. Right, so in my mind I'm like, well someone with the longest arm ever yeah. reached through it and is like- That's already what I was thinking. Was it? Yes, long So arm- well someone with a long arm could just come and unlock it. The long arm bandit <laughs> It's coming. It's a, it's a raccoon that grew up in your nuclear test facility. Oh, oh, It's That's... not his fault, he has those long arms. One long arm. Ri- <laughs> just the one. Just the one. So he has a crazy limp. Yeah. My fastest hands. Okay. So I get over there. And of course I think it's someone trying to like physically break into the back door. Mm-hmm. And when I get to the back door I flip the porch light on and there's a raccoon who is just coming back out of the cat door? So like he had gone, he had gone I think halfway into it and then come back out really fast. He must have heard a noise or something. Yeah. And so when I'm st- I'm standing there, I flick the light on, and the raccoon is like trying to figure out a way to go back, like reapproach it. And when the light flicks on, he goes like this. <laughs> he goes, <laughs> <laughs> and then just fucking stares me oh down. Oh my god! Like oh, you're up. And, yeah, like, we I thought you were away. <laughs> He's, like, staring at me, and so I kick the door, because, of course, at this point, I'm so angry and scared and feel so stupid that yeah. I was, that asshole is what we thought was going to murder me. <laughs> so I kick the door, so he'll go away, and he just goes like this. <laughs> <laughs> He pulls his little hands and he sits back on his haunches, like, okay, lady, let's take it easy. He's like, huh, okay, that's a stride, that's one. She's not gonna let me have the garbage. I'm gonna have to get it a different way. I want, I want a raccoon. You want a raccoon? So bad. You want your own raccoon? I do. Yeah. Short arms or long arms? <sighs> Surprise me. Okay. <laughs> Well, Christmas is right around the corner, everybody. So is Hanukkah. Hey! Oh, shit. <laughs> that's why you need a Jewish friend. You never think about Hanukkah. Hanukkah's sooner. It's more pressing. Get your Hanukkah shopping done now,
2: Texas. <laughs> uh, this is my favorite murder this the podcast. This is my favorite murder
1: of the podcast. Right.
2: That's, that's Karen Kilgara. This is
1: Georgia Hardstark. <laughs> hmm. Can we tell real quick? We've had some...
2: <laughs> oh. Wardrobe issues. Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought you were pointing at our feet.
1: No, no, I'm just, now I'm just doing things with my body. I'm not, I'm so, I don't know what's going on anymore. I'm so tired. And last night, somebody posted a great picture from uh, the show, which was very sweet. And they, people love to show us pictures of ourselves. I personally resent it, but I understand. <laughs> I understand it's not about me. And whoever it was, it was somebody that was up in this balcony. We see it Hey, what, is that the Queen of Spain? God, they're right there. That's so funny. Hi, um, they t- I th- it might have been up one or is there? No, it's just that one. Um, it seemed very high. It could have been a bird's picture. I'm not sure. But my, I didn't dye my roots before I left for this trip because I was like, eh, they're just sticking out a little bit right there. I look like I'm balding just on my part. <laughs> just i've tons of hair everywhere else but then that's sad just only on the part it's like fucking uh, i don't i this don't, is why you're not on instagram
2: and shouldn't be I it's can't. just you just are like there's that problem area
1: what about the time we were in australia and i showed pic- georgia a picture of myself and i was like cuz we she's always like can we take a picture and i'm like no <laughs> <laughs> But I, I stopped asking. <laughs> she had to. She had to. Let's this is how this. we work stuff Let's out. Let's hold up this thing. It'll be so cute. We'll put it on here. Let's hold up. Come on, take a photo of this. No. Never so cute. Not so cute. <laughs> I'm almost 50. <laughs> I shouldn't be here. <laughs> what do you mean by here? Just... <laughs> on Earth. <laughs> no, no, that's not true. It's What a great time we're all having. But. <laughs> I took this picture of myself and because I was facing the window and it was like morning light There was this odd combination of things where it actually was this fucking majestic picture of me That I ran next door to your hotel room and I was like, oh my god, look I actually took a good picture. I was like, it was really weird My hair was back and I didn't have any makeup on but Glowy. it like somehow worked and Georgia goes amazing And then she goes like this and goes and puts all these filters on it and then it looked fucking incredible and I go, what did you just do and she's like You don't know about filters? (laughs) That's why I don't like Insta. I didn't like Instagram is because I didn't know everyone's fucking cheating on there all the time. (laughs) Oh yeah. We're all cheating. My cats
2: are cheating. (laughs) (laughs) Everything is cheating. I didn't know! The fucking sunset? You're like, oh, I I guess I didn't see that sunset tonight. It's because
0: it didn't look
1: like (laughs) that.
2: Even that? Some fucking asshole put a bunch of filters on it. You mean all those gorgeous dinners that people have been
0: taking pictures
2: of? Have you seen unfiltered food? No. No post photos of food unless you know how to filter the shit out of those things.
1: What a revelation. I'm just saying that for the other people in the crowd who might not know that you can fix your fucking face. It's such good news. It's such good news. Oh, it's also, Um, yeah. Thank God. Should we sit down? Yeah, we really should. Let's give these, we're never going to have chairs like these again. Let's give them a moment to shine. This chair... Was made when Robert Wadlow, the tallest man in the world, got an office job at IBM. And he demanded an ergonomic chair to sit in.
2: You know, for when you want to pretend like you work in a giant office. Yep. And there you go. Who
0: made this?
2: (laughs) I've never in my life. I mean... It's a, yeah, it's, okay, so then we climb in. Yeah. All aboard! All right. You got it. You got it. And now the pull-in. Okay. And that's how you sit down. Owen. America. Just real quick. Karen, we had... Last night at the second show, the hometown was this like... Someone's mom, which was like always fun. I'm here with my 15 year old daughter. She was like the cutest thing the best the best cutest We she always thought a...
1: moms were mad at us. They're yeah. not
2: <laughs> Such good news. She was a Bible teacher in prison and she's like and then I found out what one of my favorite students did
1: and it was bad um... <laughs> She was the one who it was the yeah. girl who hit the homeless man on the freeway He got stuck in her windshield and she drove home with him. Remember that whole story? Remember?
2: She taught her the Bible Too late.
1: Right? Yeah. You need to skip straight to that fucking repent part because you're done! Yeah. You're done! No. Um, so Karen stole her red flag. (laughs) She she came up and she was like, we made these! And I was like, well, that's mine now. Mine. I was like, you can make another one, right? Because I can't. So thank you. Oh, put it in your water.
0: Okay. <laughs> oh, it's a <so> strong.
2: <laughs> if you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more.
1: madeincookware dot That's M A D E I N Cookware.com. Goodbye.
2: Okay. Okay, I'm first this evening. Okay. Okay. Let's do this. So oh, this is a true crime comedy podcast. Mm, to all you all you strangers. Thank you to all you and Stephen's not here, sorry. Yes. Um, uh, it's so disappointing, I know. He's sending me photos of my my cats and there was one photo that he sent to and I said to myself, they look hungry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm such an asshole.
1: (laughs) They look hungry. They look hungry. She was like, don't they look hungry in this picture? And I was like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) Uh, mm-hmm. Since since they look hungry. It's hard to tell, he said. (laughs) Yep, hard to tell. The consummate politician. Mm. Well, could be, couldn't be. (laughs) <laughs> okay, once again, this story, and it seems like we're underwritten by the magazine Texas Monthly, but we're not, <laughs> we're not being paid by them in any way, but we uh-huh. get so many amazing stories yeah. from them, for real, it didn't, it dawned on me the first night we were here when I was looking up one of my stories, and it, there's a lot of people obviously that write for that magazine, but there's a guy named Skip Hollinsworth that writes tons of great... It's always that guy. I
2: just found out today when I was looking at my story and used his, also used his information, that he wrote a book. What's it about? It's about um, a serial killer in Austin, like the first serial killer in Austin. Shit! Oh, is it the Servant Girl Annihilator? I don't. I don't know. I just. I looked did it up that one on Audible, and it, it's there. Okay. So we're gonna. Well, i get everyone it. download it now. Let's <laughs> blow the Wi-Fi up. <laughs>
1: Uh, Okay, sorry. So this is another one that I found searching Texas Monthly. Because you can go in, they have like articles from back in the 80s. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. They also, somebody has done that thing where they make a Google book out of the old magazine. Mm. So while I was reading the article for this story, there were these ads coming up on the side that were fucking, they were from 1982 oh, and they were amazing. What were they? It was just a bunch of blonde people being thin and rich all over, <laughs> all over the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Just, you know, it's like always that one lady with gold earrings and like kind of a weird blonde haircut that was like, I fucking love oil. <laughs> Just, you know? They just drank oil at that point. It was just there's a lot of you know how sometimes it's like beef, it's what for it's what's uh-huh. for dinner. There's just there's commercials for things that it's not a company, it's just a concept. Oh yeah, like milk or whatever the fuck. yeah yeah milk milk, it's good for your bones. Okay <laughs> that. Tom Kenny, who was on Mystery Show with me, who's one of, he's also the voice of SpongeBob. He's one of the most. But his
2: biggest, his biggest, uh, thing was being
1: on with you.
2: That's (laughs) right. Right.
1: It's what I mentioned first because I'm in it. But, um, (laughs) he's so brilliant and hilarious. He used to do this thing in his stand up act where he, uh, pretended that he was also hired by all those companies like the Milk Board and the <laughs> Beef Association or whatever, the Farmers Association. And so he would do alternative jingles that for all of those things. And that was like, it was like, <laughs> milk, it's good for your bones, but singing it like a rock star. And he also did one, there's a restaurant in LA called Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. That's amazing. Wow and he would go Roscoe's chicken and waffles is your chicken and a waffle connection (laughs) (laughs) Mm. sidebar
2: nation I don't think you're allowed to do other people's (laughs) acts during your show he doesn't need it he's got all that spongebob money yeah that's right (laughs) he doesn't even
1: know what are you going to do sue me you rich bastard okay Anyhow, the article I got, almost everything, uh, from what I'm about to tell you, I'm essentially rereading you this article, and it is so fucking crazy and long that I, uh, it, it's like, by the end I was like scanning, scrolling really fast, or I'm like, don't look at the ads, don't look at the people that are you know drinking by a window, just focus <laughs> on the article. But it was called, The Curse of the Black Lords by Peter Elkind. Mm. Um, there was also an article that I looked at uh, for a magazine called D Magazine. Yes, me too. Did you look at that one? I used both of those magazines too. So good. Yeah. Um, and that article is called "The Rise and Fall of a North Dallas Cult" by George Rodriguez. Ooh. And this, my friends, is the story of Terry Hoffman and the Conscious Development Cult. Ooh. Cults, 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 cults. This is one of the fucking craziest things I've ever read about. <laughs> and I can't wait to read more. Like, I want to read a whole book on this, because this is straight-up nutso, and I cannot believe in all the years of of all the 2020s and things that we've all been watching for years and mm-hmm. years, I've never seen anything about this. Love it. Nutso. Okay. So, we start now. Yeah, crack that beer, because this is going to be long. <laughs> <clears throat> Actually, I want to start... Um, I wonder if this is the first picture. I wonder. Let's see. Uh? Oh. Huh? Eh? Okay. It wasn't. <laughs> Shit. Dang it. Okay, here's how this article starts. And here, it's such a brilliant way to get into this story because it's not at the beginning, which is always a good fucking left turn. But this is basically how the cops found out about this cult. Okay. It's Thanksgiving in 1989. Didn't put yourself there. I'm, I'm there. So much hairspray. Oh my God. All of it is that so Aussie, what do you call it, products? Yeah. That purple hairspray. Got it. It starts with a smell in an East Dallas neighborhood oh. of Lake Highlands. We. Oui. They love smells. They love the smell. <laughs> uh, it's so bad that the neighbors call the cops. Firemen are the first on the scene. They kick down the door, take a step into the house. Walk back out and throw up on the front lawn. Ooh,
2: they always do that. But don't taint the crime scene.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and or here's a tip to killers and bad people. Oh. Walk outside, just put that knife right there on the lawn. Yeah. Right in the barfing arc. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. So then they have to put on their Scott air packs. which is like the gas masks for Uh for firemen, and go into the house. The house is filled with flies. Uh Uh-oh. Clouds of flies. Oh.
2: Oh. The red flag so far.
1: (laughs) If this house wet the bed, we'd know something bad was happening. (laughs) (laughs) In the back of the house, uh, they find former Southern Mes- Methodist University business professor David Goodman and his wife Glenda both 48 they have both been shot with the gun directly against their skulls so and they've been dead for over a month
2: what uh, you guys mind your business here like nobody's <laughs> like that's right tell it fucking thanks so bad Fuck that's yes. property i respect text. it yeah, yeah.
1: The property something goes down don't worry about it we're raising flies that's (laughs) our choice it's what we get to do i bought this property i paid taxes on it (laughs) there's a shooting gallery in one corner of the room which is a metal stand with paper targets there's guns on the coffee table and there's pellet guns leaned up against a wall um sounds chill yeah It was like a rumpus room, Um, (laughs) man cave. So, (laughs) also there was an alarm clock at their feet. Uh, Police and medical examiners conclude it's a murder-suicide or some kind of a, you know, consensual double death. Jeez, which is the name of my new band. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) sorry. That's good. No, 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 don't be. that's not. No, 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 no. How's my part up there, you guys? <laughs> uh, thanks. Thank you. Next <laughs> so thing you just... like scalp? Okay. Um, <clears throat> okay. So, um... So, he was an investment advisor who owned his own company. She kept his books. They were... Uh, he'd been married three times, she'd been married once. And friends and family said that they were deeply in love. They were ecstatic in each other's company, Hmm. which is the nicest sentence. Mm -hmm. Um, No suicide note of any kind. Um, Two dogs had been left in the backyard the whole time. But they were alive, pacing, pacing, angry. (laughs) And the second they ate food, they would forget about everything that happened to them.
2: (laughs) Some neighbor was just fucking throwing a handful of kibble (laughs) over the back. Can you shut the... Like, I just yeah
1: that's that's nice that's a good thought right an angry yet c- lit, caring yeah, neighbor he's like here's a pork chop you stupid shits <laughs> okay <laughs> um but then police find two handwritten journals and they find out that they have been planning their death for months wow. um god told them to do it and god's spokesperson was the leader of a spiritual group Um, that they belong to called conscious development of body, mind, and soul. Like, if anyone didn't know
2: that was a cult
1: immediately, by that name. Anytime it's like kind of vague words that suggest a a slight idea but won't get specific, (laughs) get out. (laughs) Get away. Uh huh. Okay. They had been, uh, they had been advised to stay away from family and friends because of their negative energy. Absolutely. Um, And they also uh, stipulated in their will that they were giving the leader of conscious development of body, mind, and soul um, half of all their future earnings, which must have meant that their company was doing really well, Mm -hmm. and a hundred thousand dollars, like what they had in the bank, which was a hundred thousand dollars. And the leader of conscious development of Body, mind, and soul was a woman named Terry Hoffman.
2: Let's take a look. Oh no. shit! God damn it! I saw Steven. There she in that is. Photo. Hi! I'm crazy. Hi!
1: <laughs> Hi! That's such a good voice. That's what she sounds like. <laughs> Hi. Hi! 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 Eye contact. Don't look away from my eyes. Don't look away from my eyes. <laughs> Hi! <laughs> Would you like some
2: juice? <laughs> Do you want a forehand
0: massage?
1: (laughs) (laughs) But I bet you that was like a secret fear somewhere deep inside where it's like Yeah, you're gonna get on the table and the forehand massage is gonna start Boom, you're giving someone $100,000 yeah. and you're dead. You're in a fucking cult. You're in a cult and you can't get out and you're like, I love her. <laughs> <laughs> I love Terry and I want a shirt just like hers. <laughs> okay. um, boop.
2: There we go. Thank you. huh.
1: Okay. So after uh, they find this death, uh, reports of patterns of deaths like these in the conscious development uh, group, they don't call it a cult, um, start up. And so police start an investigation um, that year. And they find out that eight members of this spiritual group had died prematurely. Eight. Really? And three of them uh, were sudden accidents, and five had committed suicide. And two of the suicides had been Terry's husbands.
2: Oh, no.
1: So they're like, it doesn't seem like a coincidence to us. <laughs> um And all of the dead people had named Terry Hoffman as the sole beneficiary of their estates. Mm-mm. All of them. Mm-mm. So Terry... Of course it gets talked to by the police and her explanation is very simple and clear The people who joined her group, which was basically what she said is, you know, it was a kind of a new age meditation group mm-hmm. Um, they were all emotionally troubled and invariably prone to take their own lives You know how people are <laughs> You know, you just attract a certain type Yeah, meditation, new age
2: Suicide, it's right
1: Very common Yeah Be careful Uh so, and she said they had left her their money in, the, in exactly the same way that other people leave their money to tr- traditional churches. So what's the problem? And the cops were like, great, see you later. <laughs> now, um, very soon after the police uh, investigation started, Terry's two stepchildren um, filed a lawsuit against her saying that she had contrib- contributed to all those deaths through hypnosis, behavior Mm. modification, Mm. mind control, and emotional manipulation, a.k.a. Terry was the leader of her own death cult.
2: Whoa. Yeah. She seems so innocent. I know. Should we look at her again? Let's look at her again. Okay. Ah.
1: Mm. I don't see it. I don't either. I I don't see it. Okay. So we'll talk about Terry Hoffman's background. She was born into a poor family. Her mother died of tuberculosis, uh, and she was sent to an orphanage when she was nine years old. Um, so there she uh, realized at the orphanage at age nine that she was the reincarnation of St. Teresa of Avia. Uh, who, as we all know, all the good Catholics in the audience know that St. Teresa was a 16th century Spanish nun. I had no idea of any of this. Um, (laughs) I was like, shit, they teach you guys a lot. Yeah, and we memorize it, and we take it with us through our lives. (laughs) Uh, St. Teresa was a Spanish nun who had visions of the Holy Trinity. That's the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I know that one. Okay. So it's... It's Monty Python God. Spectacles, testicles, wallet watch. Right? <laughs> Spectacles, you
2: don't know testicles, wallet, wallet watch.
1: I, is this what Jews say about Catholics when we're not around? <laughs> is that from Airplane? I think
2: it's. <laughs> what? Austin Powers? No,
1: it's older oh, than I'm that. I'm glad I don't know
2: that reference then. I, I got taught that at a young age. Okay.
1: I think my dad taught me that. <laughs> Marty! Okay. It's good, good to know. Uh-huh. I was much more concerned with, do you know the Holy Trinity? Because I was trying to fucking Terry Hoffman you into my cult, which is Catholicism. Hmm. If you just have five minutes, I can tell you about the good word. Okay. <laughs> But St. Teresa had these visions. She believed that she was visited by the Holy Trinity. She also believed that you could visit the kingdom of heaven um, like rooms in a castle. So she would basically kind of like astral project into heaven and she told everybody about it. So Terry's is like, me too. Um, <laughs> when she was 11, she was uh, adopted, but she ran away four years later to Durant or Durant, Oklahoma. Durant. Oklahoma has been representing so fucking hard at our yep. shows. Hi guys. Okay. Hi. We had no idea. We had no idea. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Thank you. Um, so she runs away to marry an 18-year-old truck diver named John Wilder. It's a truck diver. What <laughs> did I say? Truck diver. <laughs> oh, you've never heard of that? They drive <laughs> trucks off of piers and then and in the truck they go fishing. Uh, Okay, I did the addict addict switch. Aru every show this weekend. This is the weekend that we find out that we have several speech impediments, and we're proud of them. Um, who cares? So, Terry, now that she's a married old fifteen-year-old, drops out of high school because fuck it. And she has a daughter in 1954. She has a son in 1958. Another daughter in 1963. They all live on a farm in South Dallas County. Um, so her, of course, her husband, her 18-year-old husband, goes away on these long-haul trucker trips. And so Terry begins to dabble in the occult. Um, she reads books about Edgar Cayce, and she takes classes in hypnotism. Okay. Um, by the late 60s, they'd moved to Farmer's Branch, and... Good times. <laughs> like, Ooh, Ooh yeah. gorgeous yet small houses there, or big? We'll talk about it later. Um, so once they get there, she starts leading meditation classes at her house, and this is basically when conscious development started. Okay, so far um, it's on the level. Yes, Sounds exactly. Like everyone in LA. Yeah, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Oh, that's the thing I forgot to tell you when I went in for my... When I actually got... I just stuck with aromatherapy massage because mm-hmm. I was like, that's what people get. <laughs> Be normal like other people. Smell shit yeah. while you get massage. I love aromatic oils. Smelling it. Um, but the woman goes, is there any particular areas that you want me to focus on or, or any problems you're having? And I just go, no, I'm just trying to get back into my body. <laughs> and then we both just stood there staring at each other and then I was like... I'm not in L.A. You're not supposed to say oh things like that. Oh my god! It's so embarrassing. Get back in my body. What did you just in... trying to get back in my body. What does that mean? It's deep. It sounds I, I, deep. I, it just came out and I thought she'd understand and she was just like, okay, you can put the robe over there. She just <laughs> pretended like it never happened. I'm going to use that. Did it use, work? Use it. Oh, I'm in my fucking body tonight. <laughs> Let me tell you what. She must have understood me. i mean, getting back. Thank you. It's nice to be here. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, uh, it was basically just a talking meditation class. So, she also, she would write up and sell lessons, um, like in little pamphlets, herself. Okay. And this was the first lesson. It was first degree lesson one. Okay. This is how it starts. This is your first lesson. It is yours in a special way since the knowledge contained within it is sacred, secret, and mysterious. Mm -hmm. It's fucking on the page. It's none of those things. (laughs) This information has been treasured and carefully guarded since ancient times. (laughs) For knowledge gives its possessor power. That's true. This
2: sounds like a really long fortune cookie so far. (laughs)
1: Uh, by being exposed to the teachings of the masters, you will not only become aware of the truths which others rarely possess, yay, but you will also learn how to use and control energies few have mastered. Ugh, I'm already out. Bzzz, yeah. You don't like bzzz? No. Bzzz, Harry Potter? Okay. <laughs> So it turns out the masters are, uh, according to Terry Hoffman, 12 wise spirit guides who would visit earth to give advice or warnings to mankind. Um, Only a few people could, very rare few, could communicate with them. Of course, Terry was one of Uh those people. And she said that the 12 masters included Jesus Christ himself and a guy named Marcus. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm in 100.
2: (laughs) I bet Jesus Christ is stoked he made the fucking grade. Yeah. He
1: made the list. He's like, great, I have so much to tell you guys. Sorry, Marcus is talking. (laughs) You're gonna have to hold on. (laughs) Okay. So according to Terry, the masters first appeared to her when she was four years old. And um, they told her that she could have anything she wanted if she tried hard enough. Mm. Mm. It might be true.
2: I mean, it depends on what you want. True.
1: Yeah, let's think about it for a second. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm here, let's do it. Um, she also said that the problems that you have in your life are coming up because you're paying for bad behavior from your past lives. So it's like, Terry, that's karma. You didn't make that up, that's Hindu. Stop it, Terry. I wish I was Terry's friend. I could just be there when she was writing up this pamphlet and be like, "Terry, you're lying. Stop it. Stop typing about Marcus. That's a fucking lie, you're Terry." You're being a negative energy. Quit it, Karen. That's why she had to That's... get rid of all the negative energies. Yes, because it was Karen telling her. Yeah, because I'm trying to copy edit her bullshit. Just be like, you can't put, you can't pretend you made up karma. People will catch you. Okay. She also preached there's no difference between life and death, as, quote, you will become conscious of the continuity of life. Death then will not exist in reality because your existence is not dependent on the mere existence of the physical body. <laughs> what? What? You can't just put the word existence in a sentence seven times and be like, I'm, I talk to God. <laughs> well, apparently you can. I mean, you can. And she did. Okay, so. Most of her ideas were borrowed from the usual text that inspired New Age, the New Age movement. Except her doctrine that offered forgiveness for sin and was very pro-sex. Like, have it as much as you want and can.
2: Jews! Yay! <laughs> Is that what you guys are that about? That ours. Well, yeah. That's your jam? <laughs> we dig it, yeah.
1: Particularly? No, but yes. Yes. Yeah. So people were super into this concept basically because they were like oh I went to a, I thought I was going to a yoga class but it turns out I should fuck way more is kind <laughs> of what happened and people are like I gotta go back to my class <laughs> I might start taking it two days a week so as the uh, people who are as old as I am know the 80s were a time of great materialism <laughs> <laughs> in this country great expansion of materialism yes, yes. Um, uh and, of course, Dallas was a hotbed for it. There's tons of rich people here because of the oil industry and, and of the TV show Dallas. I don't know, I'm making it up. <laughs> but, um... Uh I mean it was everywhere obviously but it was the thing that always happens with materialism where it creates an empty hole and people are like but I bought a $80,000 car and I'm still upset now I'm now I'm really freaked out yeah. what's going to happen to me and normal religion wasn't helping most people with this feeling and they were turning to new age mm-hmm. um options they were tr- a lot of people became spiritual seekers um and so uh Terry's meditation classes She acted, she was the wise guru. She had all the answers, she had a fucking direct line to Jesus and Marcus. Um, (laughs) 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 Uh, And as her students sat cross-legged on the floor, she sat there lecturing, this is straight from the article, lecturing everyone on anything from personal finance to sex to ghosts. Yes. All right, I don't know how. I'm in that class. Like, sorry, how do you balance your checkbook again? (laughs) What's haunted? (laughs) And meditate. Um, But then after the lecture part, then she would speak in a softer voice. And she would lead the group in a trance-like state. And then the evening ended with a round of prayer, Um, which I think is really fascinating. She studied hypnotism when she was younger. And then she kind of, like, I think they're insinuating that she practiced it with these groups of people. Mm. So um, And for an additional fee, she would give people ind- individual um, consultations. On their so, show about their checkbook? Yeah. She'd be like, mm, you have too much money. I need some. <laughs> so when her husband, John, the truck driver, confronted her about taking her leading a meditation group thing too far, she claimed that he was impeding her spiritual growth, and she divorced him and soon after he um and her adoptive mother actually had her committed to a psychiatric hospital for examination because it was she, she was going crazy or she was just a woman in the, in the early 80s um <laughs> but she did end up losing custody of her children uh when the divorce was finalized in March of 1971 Three months later, she married Conscious Development member, uh, Glenn Cooley, who was a student at North Texas State University. Um, yeah. Um, after they got married, he dropped out of school. Boo. Oh, kinda. Right? And, uh, he went to work full time at Conscious Development. He was 20 years old. She was 33. Okay, it's sexy. So she was balling. Um, <laughs> then she gets this great idea that um, she introduces the concept of crystals and precious gems to the group and she starts to implore her followers to start um, using electrically charged crystals and gems um, because they had protective and healing qualities and luckily, she made jewelry with just those very crystals and gems. Beautiful. Her and the 20-year-old made jewelry together and so she urged her followers to buy it and she said the more expensive the pieces were, the more they protected you. That's not how religion works. It's not. (laughs) It feels like it is, has been working that way for a long time though. Well, I'm here to tell you. Oh, no. Marcus? <laughs> <laughs> um, Can we see the picture of the whole group? Oh, yes. Is that, is that okay? Yes. In fact, check this shit out. Wow. Okay. Which one do you think Terry is at this point? Because this is the late 70s. Okay. Uh the one
2: with the beard no terry uh, she's a woman that was the one in the middle
1: no the one it's old floral shirt over That's there on the her? side yes and her husband the hot middle is one? over here in the karate outfit what? yes but she, wait i asked, asked steven if he would zoom in Um, this is from a little bit later on in the relation, but not that much later. She's not 33. Ooh! (laughs) No. That's a rough 33 right there. No, she's not. (laughs) This is like 10 years later. Still, that's not 43 either. (laughs) sometimes when your boobs are big, they take up all this space. And then you're like, I don't want to wear this fucking bra anymore. So you're like, fuck it, I have my own cult. I'm not wearing a bra anymore. (laughs) And also, I'm going to wear this tablecloth as a dress. (laughs) Here's her husband. Aw, shit, Uh y'all. Did you know that's where Matthew McConaughey got his start? Can we, can we real quick, though, go back? Sure. Okay.
2: Can you guess, wait, which one Stephen is?
1: (laughs) (laughs) When you see it! (laughs) Oh, wait! middle. The middle yeah. because there's also a secret Steven over on the left. Oh shit. Yeah. Wait, they are all Stevens. Steven. Steven. Ah. Steven.
2: This whole time. You were a whole cult. <laughs> no, we didn't even know it.
1: Okay. <laughs> so they're deeply in love. And Okay. So there's a person in this group and uh it was, she, her name was Sandy Cleaver and she had all the jewelry she was she bought into this whole concept hook line and sinker um and she had a family trust she came from a lot of money so she had the time and resources to dedicate herself to conscious development and um she like of course many people she had a, a life marked with tragedy her mother had been in and out of mental hospitals her teenage sister died in a car accident Um, and her father had died in a plane crash. So she was a seeker. She was looking for some kind of spiritual answers. Mm -hmm. And, um, she had, she had been in this group since the beginning. And she really believed that Terry was all the things that she said and was really helping her. Um, Terry begins to prescribe holistic medicines to her followers <laughs> just rando pills that she had literally driven up in a truck from Mexico no don't take those you guys yeah and it was like these are like crushed up crystals eat them no 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 I mean oh. that's what I imagine. why would you it's like this is a bunch of I'm like cumin right but it's magic it's gonna fucking give you powers or whatever <laughs> that's why I don't have a cult um, <laughs> so she also convinced she begins to convince her followers that she can heal she can she can diagnose people's problems telepathically Uh -uh. and then prescribe them these holistic medicines and this is basically how she sells her believers these medicines so they will give the medicines to their family members oh no and Sandy Cleaver um, she Terry basically says, your five-year-old daughter is very sick and needs these medicines. And so Sandy's like, let's, let's do it. Um, when Sandy filed for divorce, a month after Terry filed for a divorce, um, she told her husband it was because he was blocking her spiritual development. And, um, he, they, they got in, he sued for custody, um, because he could tell that she was going off the deep end with this, uh, meditation group that she was in. And he testified at their, uh, at the hearing that Sandy was giving their five-year-old daughter 110 pills a day. Yeah. 110? Yes. I can't even take six vitamins. I know. That poor baby. I know. It's super nuts. Um, but he ends up letting Sandy have, um, have a uh, custody of their daughter. Their daughter's name is Devereaux. If you weren't sure if they were really rich. Um, <laughs> they're super fucking rich. Because have you ever even heard that name before? Okay, um. He was so afraid that Sandy was going to, because he knew that Sandy was studying this thing that said there's no difference between life and death and it's just Uh another realm and it's just a different place to travel to, that he was, he was afraid if he tried to take Devereaux away, she would kill her. Mm. So he let her have custody. Um, But they actually put a special provision in the divorce decree saying that uh, Sandy was only allowed to take Devereaux to licensed Physicians, okay. Which is an insane demand. Right. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, okay. So Sandy becomes, once she gets a divorce, she becomes Terry's full-time unpaid assistant. Oh, interns. Um, and uh, when the company gets incorporated, she becomes the secretary treasurer. She's, she's like, you know. A, for, yeah, she's there. Front line. Um, she continually leaves Devereaux with their elderly housekeeper um, and goes to meetings, weekend retreats, she's never around. Um, When she took in a member of a group that was homeless, um, her ex-husband's like, sorry, what are you doing? We have a child in the house. And she said his negative energy was making Devereaux sick. Mm -hmm. Um, So as the group grows larger, Terry then tells 25 hand-selected special people now, this is the group, but we, you, you are my teachers. And so you, um, you, they got sworn to secrecy, and she told them something that could be never be spoken outside of their small group. And she said that was that they're all members of what's called a white brotherhood, and that they were chosen by the masters to destroy the forces of evil, which was a group called the Black Lords. The wording of this is very problematic. <laughs> and uncomfortable. I want to assume she was just doing that as a like a color thing, but she absolutely could have been racist We don't fucking know what this woman's deal was. She thought she was Saint Teresa <laughs> um, The good news is the evil forces only existed on the astral and mental planes. Oh. So that's, you had to fight them there. Okay. So, to kill them, um, you had to take them to the pits of hell where their soul and lower bodies would be dissolved. But the black overlords could not be destroyed in the pits of hell. They must be destroyed in the electromagnetic dissolving cave.
2: Jesus, I already need a fucking nap.
1: Like, And when I got to this part of the story, I started getting that weird stomach ache where it's like when you're little and you get left alone for too long and there's no adults in the room and you're like, there's too much kid talking and like kid pretending where you're like, you need to shut up for a while. (laughs) Everybody, turn the TV on. Like, I don't wanna hear your weird story anymore. That's what this is. This is a woman with no filter and no editor who's just like, I have another idea. (laughs) No. Uh, let it marinate. Okay, because also there are also garbons. What? O-beans. <laughs> no. There were things called garbons. I so it, beans. I didn't hear that. I get it. This is how unfucking creative this woman yeah. was. Is she's like literally finishes a salad and she's like, there's also an evil force calls a, called a garbon. Zobean. So <laughs> um garbons, O-beans were six feet tall. Covered in slime. Oh, like garbanzo beans. (laughs) Exactly like that. They had long beaks. They looked like gargoyles. And they were known to cross into the physical and touch you and leave slime.
0: Ew.
1: Yeah. That's gross. So... If that happened to you and if after 30 seconds your hand tingled or shakes, that's a garbon stuck to it and you have to use your imagination. Wrap it in barbed wire, stab it and kill it and then imagine the dead garbon spinning straight up and dissolving into the universe. Okay. Someone stopped taking their meds someone a while ago This is like when you do a ton of coke with a stranger. You're just like, (laughs) I don't want to talk to you anymore Oh my god. Can I have two more cigarettes and I'm going to leave? (laughs) Okay So Go way faster. Sorry. Okay So she said that these teachers needed to arm themselves with magic symbols, a rod, a sword, a cup, and a cloth bag containing a cup of dirt. My God. Yeah. She said that they had to wear headbands of gold or silver, the protective jewelry, and she said they had to wear robes because, quote, a properly made robe can give you up to 15 times more power. This isn't a fucking video game. What is happening? We are... It's you're in the worst fucking after-school theater class you've ever (laughs) accidentally joined (laughs) So Uh. they would sit in circles and they would battle the overlords for hours mentally with their imagination and then they would call Terry and be give her the body count we killed 260 dark lords, but no I mean black lords, but no overlords Yes. And Terry would be like, I would do that with you, but your negative family is making me sick and I have to fight, I have to fight my own garbon So beans.
2: <laughs> I mean, I was there when, we, you know, when we were meditating, great. But now that I have to do all this homework in my head, yes. and I'm like over it.
1: And she, she, there's this whole part. I mean, you guys have to read these articles because there's so much I'm leaving out and, and it's so dense, but they would, she describe or the author sorry describes them having to fight these these black lords where they're they could use as a as a rod or i mean as a sword they c- it didn't have to be a sword it could just be a pen or a letter opener so they would be like going like sitting there and going like oh this God. to kill the garbanzo beans wow okay basically and they listed the kind of people that were in this group uh, a college professor, an advertising agency executive, a counselor for the Dallas School District. Ooh. Yeah. <sighs> All off their meds. <laughs> so... She made them, everything she told them was making them more and more paranoid. No one could be trusted outside the group. Um, especially the people who had been in and were like, Hey, I'm not into the Garbons thing, I have yeah. to go.
2: Okay, there were people who were like, goodbye. Yeah. Okay, good.
1: Way goodbye. Um, but, then, on February, 20, uh, February 2nd, 1977, her husband, Glenn Cooley, was found dead. Mm, karate? Karate Kid? The Karate King. Okay. okay, so they'd been married for six years okay. at this point. Um, he worked for the jewelry business, but um, uh, basically, when he started hearing about this Black Lords thing, he wanted out, and he'd actually told his family, "Like this whole thing has gone a little crazy, and I need to get away." Yeah. Um, uh, so they separated in September of 1976, but he still worked for CD Gems, which was the name of their corporation. Oh, the CD Gems. CD Gems. Okay. <laughs> like CD Gems. Like CD Gems. <laughs> she wasn't a smart woman. um <laughs> So the divorce goes through in January of 1977, five days later, he goes to spend the weekend at his parents' cabin in Lake Grapevine, and the next day, she says she finds a handwritten will in her safe. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um the, the most convenient place to leave something. Right. Um, and in the will, he left everything to Terry, and so... Um, there's actually a line in the will that says, I will ask that this last will of mine will not be contested in any way. Oh, that's convenient. It's written in. Um, so she says when she saw that, the, the will he put in the safe, she got two of her teachers, drove to that cabin, and when they got there, they found her 25-year-old ex-husband dead in bed with a strange ooze coming out of his mouth. Um, and they found a can of beer and some capsules. And when the toxicology report came back, it was Valium and Librium in his system. Mm. Um, so she tells, Terry tells the authorities he was despondent over the divorce and, and she told him not to go off alone, but he was basically suicidal. Um, and his death went, it was uncontested for 13 years. Everyone uh-huh. just took her story, um, at face value. Um, so then we get into the part where she starts losing followers because she said the proof of his, his death was proof that the Black Lords were winning and the Overlords were winning and so now they need to introduce the next level of protections, bloodletting. Oh fuck. Uh huh. So basically she tells the teachers they, um, the Black Lords have the power to poison the blood, and so the blood needed to be drained. And it was fine if it was just like a syringe. You just take out a syringe of blood every day. And all these people are just like, you know what? I've been here for the crystals and the gems and I've bought your bullshit. I'm taking pill after pill for you. Um, so people start bailing even in the inner circle. But Sandy Cleaver stays in. And... Um, then Terry starts to tell her that her 14 year old daughter, Devereaux, is now 14. Uh-huh. And, San- and Terry says she's been infected by the Black Lords. Oh no. So, uh, in December of 78, Sandy was never home, never went to Devereaux's um, games. She played basketball. She was, you know, in high school and doing all this stuff. And Sandy was completely negligent. Mm-hmm. But then, then she comes to her daughter and says, I want to take you on a trip to Hawaii. So, of course, Devereaux is so happy and excited, and Sandy's fiancé at the time went with them, and they went to this area um, that was basically, it was like a certain beach, and they took um, this blue raft out into the water, and then they don't come back. Um. And so Sandy's fiancé calls the cops, and they end up finding Sandy bloody and stranded <gasps> on this coral reef. And her story is they were out on this thing and a huge wave hit them and they got washed up onto this coral reef and she t- couldn't find Devereaux. And they end up finding Devereaux's body like four hours later. What? So um, so when Ch- Chuck, the Sandy's ex-husband and Devereaux's dad, he finds out that. They call him when she's still missing and they haven't found the body yet. So he hustles it up and takes a flight, the next flight to Hawaii. And we get, when he gets there, Terry's already in Sandy's hospital room. So Sandy's been beaten up on these rocks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Terry's already there. Mm-hmm. And, um, <clears throat> uh, back home in Dallas. Somebody had called Chuck's house, and a family friend answered the phone. And they said, um, "We have a document that you need to see," and it was Devereaux's will—a fourteen-year-old's will. And in it, her $125,000 trust that she'd gotten from her mom was left to Terry. <gasps> and uh, so, in and in it also, there was the line that said they specifically asking not to have the will be contested. So. Two months later, Sandy takes out a $300,000 life insurance policy on herself, which was twice the limit. The insurance agent's like, you don't need that much. And she's like, no, I insist Um, (laughs) 17 rings. No, I need to. Uh, And in it, Terry is the sole beneficiary. And then she transfers the deed to her home or the title of her home Mm -hmm. to Terry and then begins paying Terry rent to live in her home. No. Yeah. So in September of 1981, Sandy persuades Louise, the old housekeeper that basically raised Devereaux herself. Mm -hmm. She's like, we need to go on a trip to to Colorado. Um, The conscious development has bought this plot of land for a retreat that we're gonna build one day, and we should go look at the land. And the 77-year-old housekeeper's like, fuck off. I'm putting my feet up. But she basically made her go, and they fly out and it was in an area um, near Cripple Creek and, and near on this mountain and they are in the station wagon. They drive mm. up the road to the mountain and fucking off that no. mountain, yeah. The cops say there were no break, there were no skid marks, there were no brake marks or anything. It was she just drove off the mountain and killed them both. Fuck. And then they find, um, Terry shows up in Colorado to claim the bodies and she's carrying both women's wills. Oh, no. Everything is left to Terry. And, um, uh, and the housekeeper didn't even know Terry and she left everything in her will to what? Terry. Yes. Um, That's so fishy. Sandy Cleaver's brother takes Terry to court and she's like, he's like, this is all a crazy cult and this is like mind control and crazy bullshit. And they end up, because it's, it is a document. I don't know what happened, but she has to pay, she, she immediately cashed that $300,000 check from the life insurance policy. Mm-hmm. Um, so she has to pay him back half of that money. And then they split the rest of Sandy's uh, estate. So she what? got half of it, yeah. Wow. Let's see, so then there's still a couple followers left after that. The Goodmans, who are the people we talked about at the right. very beginning, they're still in. And they were, they were kind of like late adopters. Mm-hmm. Um, and David Goodman had testified at Terry's trial saying that Conscious Development was a discussion group that fosters good vibrations. And...
2: <laughs> fucking Beach so, <laughs> Boys or some shit.
1: <laughs> Um, four other group members also testified on Terry's behalf at that, um, at that trial. And three of those people would end up killing themselves. Wow. Um, eventually Terry came out with her own perfume. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, is it called good vibrations? (laughs) Uh, and also an acupressure massage therapy course. That (laughs) she holds. Finally, a criminal investigation was launched by the Dallas District Attorney's Office in January of 1990. What? Um, Yeah, and they—the problem was that it's so difficult to determine if mind control can be determined. It can be cited as a cause of death um, because it's hard to prove. Um, They, of course, deny any wrongdoing. um, That. Terry Hoffman's lawyer said this is a witch hunt and she's a great person. Um, she's a witch. Yeah. <laughs> um, but a bad witch. Yeah. Um, they can't find evidence linking Terry Hoffman to any of the deaths, so she doesn't ever go to jail for any of them. Um, but she does file for bankruptcy in October of 1991 as she's sentenced to 16 months in prison for bankruptcy fraud in May of 1994. Um, she only served a year. And, um, in 1995, Unsolved Mysteries did an episode on the disappearance of, uh, the Hoff, uh, Terry Hoffman's follower, Charles Southern. She married, she ended up marrying five men. Um, <laughs> wow. All together. And, uh, they, uh, at the end, they wrote a book. Um, I I'm really mad at myself because I took a picture of this thing that I wanted to write in the end But I fucking forgot to write it down the the book they wrote was called I think it's called something like money colors and it's basically <laughs> like how to attract money to yourself through wearing different no. colors on your, in your clothes.
2: That's something my mom would have read in the 80s. Mm-hmm.
1: A lot of people read it in the 80s. Yeah. They were like, have you gotten your money colors done? <laughs> I only eat great freaking cottage cheese and I wear purple for <laughs> money. Because the eye wa- purple symbolizes $500. <laughs> anyway, she died in 1997 and that's the end wow. of that. I'm sorry that was so long. I've never I've never had a murder that was less fucking skippable. Like normally when we're reading these, you're like, this isn't important. That's that's a strange detail. Yeah. Every every single thing is nutso. No, I'm down. I'm here for the murder. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, all All right. right. Wait. Oh. Oh. This is okay. This is the Illustration. How awesome is this? This was the fucking illustration. Now I'm not going to be able to get back to page one. This is the illustration that was in God Bless It, Texas Monthly Magazine. Yes. That is a tattoo for the ages. Look how rad. Wait. And the guy that drew its name was Joel Peter Johnson. How amazing Uh, is that? That is glorious. We need prayer candles of that image. (laughs) Ooh, good idea. (laughs) And it it sucks because I had to do the thing, I made Steven edit that for me, because I had to do the, like, the Control-Shift-Four thing where I had to take a picture on my screen because you can't drag and drop. And her little feet are dangling down. She's floating in the air. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Okay. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So
2: go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next
1: level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget, the code is all lowercase. Goodbye.
0: Put the flag over
2: here. Get get the flag ready. Get this out of the way. All right. My murder, you guys is, um, again, all the information from the same place, is Sandra Bridewell, the Black Widow of Dallas. Ooh,
1: I love a Black Widow. I know you
2: love a Black Widow. just love it. Um, this is a weird story. All right, so let's talk about Sandra. Let's see a
1: picture of her. She's hot.
2: That's her, she's gorgeous. Beautiful.
1: (laughs) That was an inappropriate reaction, you guys. (laughs)
2: She's a a gorgeous woman, uh, she, you wanna see them? Yes, please. Okay. Well,
1: but just because, look at her friends, they're all so pretty. Yeah, they're all really rich. They're having the best fucking Halloween ever. Because they're really rich. Oh, because they're rich.
2: Okay, let me talk, let's talk about her. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Sandra is born, um, April 4th, 1944, in a little town of, uh, Sedalia, Missouri. Okay, Sedalia, Missouri, thank you and was adopted as an infant to parents. And according... <laughs> to parents? I guess that's weird, right? Because <laughs> I, I cut out their names. And, okay. Yep. According to reports, by the age of three, her adoptive mother, Camille, was killed in an auto accident. And her father, Arthur, who managed and ran a Dr. Pepper bottling plant, remarried mm-hmm. and they relocated to Oak uh, Cliff, Texas. <laughs> you guys are rich. <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding. No, that's not a rich flight.
1: That's later when she's older. Uh, now they're mad. <laughs> Can I just say that I had a Dr. Pepper today and it was so goddamn delicious? Hmm. Is it the mini bar and I was like, I always just drink, automatically drink Diet Coke. And I was like, hey, I'm in fucking Texas. I get to have a Dr. Pepper if I want. <laughs> you guys really know how to live. Okay. <laughs> Apologies
2: to Oak Cliff, because you're not rich, I guess? Um, but all right. It's all kinds of problems. Okay. There, he uh, worked as a cemetery plot salesman, which sounds fun. Sandra and her new stepmom, they fought all the time. Apparently she was real mean to Sandra. She said her stepmother regularly locked her in the closet, told her nobody wanted her, and then one time was like, we're going to throw you a big birthday party. Ready for your birthday party? It's today. And then she's like, JK, I didn't send out any of the invitations. Nobody likes you. Wow.
0: I
1: know what's that lady's problem?
2: (laughs) (laughs) After graduating from high school where she really didn't date much, she was just kind of a quiet girl, she began dating lots of dudes and it was kind of in her mind that she was like, I'm going to be a fucking housewife to a very rich person. That's my goal. Nice. She's like, okay, get Get it, girls. Get it. Whatever. Do it. We all have different goals in life. Yeah, I love it. And every dude became smitten with her because she was beautiful and then her friends said that she would do a thing called the ladylike poor her helpless me routine. After one year of college, she drops out, and she apparently is like a. She lies all the time, telling people that her adoptive parents had been killed, that her her parents were aristocrats. All this bullshit. The aristocrats. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Then she meets a man named David um Stiegel. He's a fancy dentist. He'd gone to school. (laughs) What? Yeah. (laughs) Lots of pinky rings and stuff. He's fancy as fuck. He's a highfalutin dentist. You know what I mean? Yes. Like he's like, I'm not gonna fucking give you a drill your teeth. I'm gonna like do Plastic surgery, like fancy shit. Oh, okay. The stuff where that isn't cu- covered by insurance that costs a lot of money for high fucking
1: society. You know what I mean? Yes, got it. Yeah. Where you're just like, hey, do you want me to give you a dent in your chin? I can do that for you. <laughs> right. I'm a fancy dentist. What was your childhood dentist's name? Oh, God, I don't, I don't remember the dentist. You don't? know, mm. Do you? Yeah, of course I
2: do. That's oh. why I
1: asked the question. <laughs> of course. Everything. Eh, I I just thought it was one of those things. Do you remember your childhood phone number? Oh, yes.
2: 714-559-5589. Yeah, call it now. You guys, let's call it. Call it. Um, Do you remember your childhood... We're just
1: asking security questions. (laughs) What's your mother's maiden name? What's that? I didn't hear you. Have you seen the ones that it's like, who's your favorite niece or nephew? It's just like mean ones. Is that true? Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen that one. Okay, I just know that every single one where they're like, "What's your first car?" and then I'll be like, you know, whatever the answer is, and then the next time I go there, I'm like, well, there was that other one. Yeah. Like, I, my mom sometimes let me drive the Volvo, and it's like <laughs> I can't ever get into anything. No, I. <laughs>
2: Um, okay. So she meets fancy dentist, David. They, he had gone to school in Los Angeles and had Hollywood caliber clients, but in the Dallas fucking Richie Rich set. You it's know okay. what I'm saying? So this is like the uh, mid sixties. Everyone's rich as fuck in Dallas. Sure. Um, and he had a thing for fancy stuff, big Cadillacs and houses and pretty women. They get married in 1967. They have three children. Um, and they're raising their family in an upscale Dallas neighborhood, but. Despite his salary and his like highfalutin reputation, he couldn't keep up with uh, Sandra's spending. She was like, we're spending it all because I, because. Because I said so. Yeah, you don't really need a reason. Right. No. So she had, she had lavish tastes. Um, she loved buying art and expensive furniture. And by 1974, the family is in severe debt. Oh no. So he's forced to borrow money from his family to pay their bills. And in 1975, the situation and their marriage is falling apart. It had gotten so bad that David tried to kill himself. <gasps> and by Sandra's story is that she told, she found him in a closet with a gun pointed to his head, called his coworker, or like his business owner. was like, business owner? No. You know, his business partner. partner. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> he comes and they talk him out of killing himself. Um, but... A few weeks later, he, he is found lying in bed with both of his wrists slashed and a gunshot wound to his head.
1: Oh, that's, Dead. that's a bit overkill. Yeah. Seems like.
2: Well, then I, you know, and when I found all these like random articles and Reddit stuff and it's like, and the, the, it said that the gunshot wound was first, you know, so like <laughs> clearly he didn't yeah. do that, but I didn't find that corroborated anywhere. So I'm not saying it.
1: Good use of the word corroborated, though. Thank you. Yeah.
2: Um, this is a true crime fact. <laughs> That's right. And I we know I, words. I know words. Some of them. Not most of them. <laughs> um, okay, so here, that was her. Nope. That's someone else. Okay. That's her. All right. So after his death, she collects the insurance on her husband's life and sells his practice, and then she begins dating wealthy men again. Which is like, man, her husband just killed herself. Like, go get yours, honey, poor thing. Like, that sucks, right? Unless she killed him. Right.
1: Okay. It's hard to know whose side to be on. It Probably is. not the black widows, right. I would assume.
2: <laughs> um, so she kind of was, uh, men were spelled by and about her blah-blah-blah, blah, and then a little <laughs> more than, you know.
1: She's hot. We saw her. <laughs> She had a really hot blah 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 Blah-blah-blah-blah-blah.
2: You know what I mean? <laughs> So a little more than three years after her husband dies, she marries a well-known Dallas hotel guy and investor. Hotelier? Hotelier? Yeah, Hotelier. that's right. Bobby Bridewell. So that's her, new, her second husband. He adopts Sandra's three, ch- three daughters. They move to upscale neighborhood of Highland Park. Mm-hmm. So ma- she could have she been in the cult, maybe. Oh, that's right. Yeah. She was right around the corner. Yeah. Sharpening her fingernails. <laughs> But in 1980, Bobby is diagnosed with cancer. Um, so he, while he is recovering f- from radiation and uh, is trying to get better, she is uh, having the entire home remodeled.
1: Yes, because you have to <laughs> cleanse, uh-huh. cl- clap the corners, sage the house, yes. get new Italian furniture, wallpaper, shag carpeting. The end. Very important.
2: So she's having it remodeled, and then she says to like her neighbor, you know, I'm getting this done today. Can you take him in your house for a week and let him live there? Her her dying husband? Uh-huh. So she moves in with the neighbors. He never returns to his home. Two years after his diagnosis and a couple weeks after this, he dies. Um, so she Sandra becomes friends with uh, her late husband's oncologist, Dr. John Bagwell, and his wife, Betsy. They become buddies, Um, and so Betsy is the quintessential Highland Park housewife and mother. She's fucking um, Highland Park High School cheerleader she was. not. She wasn't as an adult. That would be weird.
1: You kind of said that like Yoda. I know. Highland Park cheerleader she she was. was. (laughs) I get it. I get it. You know what I
2: mean? Yeah. Yeah. she, but, but, you know, she's like, you know. She's the shit. She's, she's a hard-working lady. Shakespeare Festival, Junior League, active in the Presbyterian Church, taught Bible class for children in her home while raising two of her own children. So the, the couple was like, great, we love this chick. She's our friend, Sandra. Awesome. Wonderful. But then she starts becoming really, like, obsessive with them. And fucking totally what about Bob's one of their vacations? <laughs> <laughs> and shows up unannounced in New Mexico where they were vacationing. Yes. She fucking, yes. what about Bob's that shit? Oh my God, what
1: are you guys doing in New Mexico?
2: Oh, yeah. I think we have a photo of her. So that's her and her, um, that's her third husband, Stephen. That's not him either. <laughs> I
1: thought we had a photo of Well, that of was her. A... there she is. That's Betsy Bagwell. That okay. Wait, sorry. That's the, that's, that's the, the good wife. woman. Yeah. That one tried, was just trying to go on vacation. Yeah. Okay.
2: So she's like, surprise, New Mexico. Um, and then they're like, we need to distance ourselves from this woman at that point. Um, so they they are trying to break ties with her, but she's still really insistent with hanging out with them, even though they try not to get her like, letter in their lives. But then in early June 82, uh, Sandra calls Betsy and is like, hey, I need a ride to the airport. My car won't start. Some bullshit about that. And um, So Betsy goes to help her, takes her to the airport, and when they go to the lot where Sandra's car is parked to get her, uh, because she had forgotten her driver's license, it's some convoluted bullshit story. Uh, so then four hours later, after Sandra being the last person to see Betsy, uh, about June 16th, 1982, Betsy's Betsy, 40-year-old, she's uh, found dead in her Mercedes in the airport parking lot where they oh. had been. She'd been shot in the head and her death was ruled a suicide. Mm-mm. Right. No. Um, so Sandra being the last person to see Bagwell alive, all these questions, of course, surface. Um, and there's no evidence. There's not a suicide note. She'd been living a happy life. Everyone who knew her was like, hell fucking no. There's no way she would have done that. Yeah. Um, but police, John Bagwell, the husband, hires a private investigator, but police closed the case and refused to open it. So um, let's see, so when sh- when Sandra has the funeral for her husband who died of cancer, Bobby, uh, she got about $50,000 as like memorial funds, I guess people just like give you money, mm. I don't know. That's um, <laughs> not usually how it works. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, she didn't really spend any money on his funeral. She got like the cheapest uh, casket and all this stuff and it pissed everyone off, okay. June 1984, she meets a guy named Alan Rerig. Rier, uh, he's a good-looking 29-year-old, just moved to Dallas, a former college basketball star from Oklahoma, he was going to hit it rich in real estate, and uh, he's, so he's like, I'm gonna, I want to be rich, and he's driving around Highland Park, he's like, this is the rich neighborhood, sometimes people who live in these big houses will rent out their back house for people like me. Mm -hmm. So he's driving around, sees a hot woman on her fancy lawn and gets out and is like, asks her. Turns out it's our friend, Sandra. Uh Uh-oh. And they, and she's like, I don't, but I'll help you. And of course they fucking fall madly in love with each other, which is like the creepiest way to meet someone, right?
1: No, I love it. (laughs) In a rich neighborhood on a lawn? Come on. (sighs) Croquet style? Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. These are the '70s people. <laughs> OK So within weeks, they're inseparable. Then in the fall of '84, she says that she's pregnant. she tells him she's pregnant. Um, but unbeknownst to him, seven years earlier, she had had a hysterectomy, so she's fucking lying. To That's him. a lie then. Yeah) And she also told him she was 36, but she was really 41. Girl,
1: that's you guys, five full years. <laughs> no, they were
2: really mad at that one. <laughs> Do not lie about your age in Texas. <laughs> um, so he didn't doubt her, though. He had no reason to. So they got married in December 1984. And then she was like, oh, shit, I can't, like, lie about this for a couple of years. So she says she has a miscarriage. Um,
1: and... So I'm just still worried about lying. If you lie that you're five years younger than you are, yeah, you look like shit. I mean, dude. Yeah. At a certain point, it all just starts falling apart. Yeah. As I was uh, personally attest. <laughs> <laughs> you're just like I'm 32, everybody. <laughs> I want
2: to lie up so be like, damn, you look good for 41. Exactly right. Because I look really good for 41, you but look I'm 37, amazing.
1: so it doesn't. <laughs> I'm so
2: disappointed. Sorry. Okay. Then... Okay. Loses the baby. They... No, there's no baby. Right.
1: (laughs) Loses imaginary baby.
2: All right. So he quickly realizes that Sandra loves money. Who amongst us though?
1: (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and be fair to her. Stop casting stones. (laughs) This goes super Bible, really fast.
2: (laughs) So she's like pushing him to make more money. She takes out a big life insurance policy on him.
1: Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Dang. He tells yes, they should do something at like when you 're an all state and someone comes in and they 're just like, Yeah, hello i 'm just kind of forty five and i don 't know. I feel like looking into a humongous life insurance policy, and then people are like, Hold on nine one one what's your emergency <laughs> um, i don 't know what the emergency is yet, but it 's going to be bad. <laughs>
2: You can call, uh, there's like a future crimes hotline. Yes. (laughs) Hey. Hello, Minority Report. (laughs) Who's this? Uh, that's what I was trying to think (laughs) of, but I was gonna say The
1: Matrix. It's not...
2: (laughs) So I didn't do it.
1: Hello, The Matrix. May I help you? Oh, no, no, no. You want to call Minority Report. Okay. Good luck. Phone bits. Why haven't we been doing them all along? It was a great idea, Karen. And also the oldest phone we could be using. <laughs> this is the iPhone 10. Hello? Well, what do they do now? This? Yeah. Hello? Hello? That's stupid. That looks so stupid. It's this. Why didn't you text me? Okay, well, we're not friends anymore. Okay.
2: We're not friends anymore. Now I have three huge zits right here.
1: <laughs> so thanks for nothing. And a brain tumor. All right. I'll see you later, Mom. Oh wait.
2: (laughs) Okay, oh, he tells his friends that Sandra's, guess how much money she spends a month on clothes, food and travel. Guess how much... Clothes, food, and travel? travel? Like, guess how much a month she spends. A month.
1: Okay. Well, let's, let's talk about how much I spend a month on clothes. <laughs> Zero.
2: <laughs> Karen, <laughs> as a Jewish friend, I need to tell you, you need to start spending more cl- money on
1: clothes. I have Catholic permission to buy yes. more clothes? Yes. Um, I'm gonna say, and it's the 80s, right? hmm $5,000. $20,000. What? <laughs> the fuck. But how fun of a month would that be if we could do that,
2: you guys? If we just had one month where we could do that, we would have the best Fucking month.
1: But we're, what's she doing? Like going to New Mexico four times? Like what? <laughs> knock, knock.
3: Oh, uh,
2: I don't know. It's the thing of when people buy expensive clothes because we're all like, how? That's a lot of clothes at Forever 21. Yeah. But it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> people shop
1: at, adults shop at real places. <laughs> that's right. 41 year old shop at real stores. God, that's so many shirts that are going to pull apart in three days. <laughs> yeah. I know. Why would she waste that money?
2: <laughs> right. So she could have bought like two power suits and that's it, you know, (laughs) and they were, that's how much they were. We don't know. Okay. In November, 1985, the couple separates because of all this, the money problems and, um, she's a crazy liar. So, Uh, He moves in with a friend and they didn't see each other for several weeks and then in December 1985, Sandra calls him and is like, let's meet at the storage facility we rent because we need to get this stuff out of here. No,
1: no thank you. No. (laughs) Never meet anyone at a storage facility. (laughs) Why not say, meet me in the middle of the desert, bring your own (laughs) shovel. (laughs) No.
2: They're I met my dad at a storage facility once. What? I met my dad at a storage facility once, but I survived. <laughs> it was really depressing because we helped. I helped him clean his storage facility <laughs> out, so that's just as bad.
1: But they're like, it's such a strange, like, desert of nothingness yeah. and weird secrets that people have behind some garage yes! door. I would have
2: not met anyone else I know at a storage facility. Fuck
1: no! <laughs> I'm so mad at oh. him.
2: I, yeah. Okay. Kept trying to make me take things home. Do you want this? No, I don't want that, Dad. (laughs) Throw it away,
1: Dad. Just throw it away. It's going to be okay.
2: Just a weird old mug from McDonald's. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So they're going to meet at the storage facility, and he doesn't show up. Right? Oh. So she says. Next thing we know, um, he is found slumped over in his Bronco in Oklahoma. He had been killed by gunshots to the head and chest. Um, And it was apparent that his body had been driven to Oklahoma in that car.
1: I don't know how they knew that,
2: but that's the story.
1: Um, I want to say what I think it is, but it's inappropriate. What? Don't tell me. I won't. Tell me. Just his hair was blown back. (laughs) You made me say it, and now I'm the fucking bad guy. (laughs) It's not... It's sad. (laughs) But within sad things, that's when my mind starts going, isn't there something funny about this sad thing that we could say? And that's when you laugh at a woman who just told you her sister's dying. (laughs) Yes. That's
2: how the world works. That's, yeah. (laughs) How you doing? I'm all right. Are you warm? You're (laughs) hot, you're warm. Am I hot? Yeah, okay, okay, so. He, so Sandra's a suspect, but she's totally uncooperative. She won't speak to anyone and let, and she won't let anyone speak to her, her daughters who are older now. Um, and at this time she becomes known as the, uh, Black Widow, and Dallas, uh, in high, in high society in Dallas starts talking mad shit about her all the time, and like, do you know about this thing? Do you know this thing she did? And everyone's like, oh fuck, this woman's crazy.
1: There were probably parties planned specifically <laughs> to talk shit about her, because that's uh-huh. the third husband she, that's died, yeah. right? Yeah. Within, in their purview. Right. <laughs> You'd be like, by the canapes, we have shit to talk about. <laughs> Uh Come over. Break out the caviar. Everybody get a scoop of caviar and sit down. I'm going to tell you something Exactly.
2: So also, which is highly unusual, the FBI fucking gets in onto the murder probe and
1: they're like Oh, I thought you meant the gossip (laughs) FBI, guess what I heard (laughs) Sorry
2: um, she's of course a suspect. And um, when they get a phone call from an anonymous woman called the Highland Park Deep Throat, which is like tr- troublesome on so many levels. It's not creative, first of all. It makes everyone think of
1: JFK and Nixon. <laughs> JFK's dick. <laughs> oh God. Oh, is someone's dad here tonight? I mean, absolutely. At us. least four of them.
2: And then she <laughs> scrimps again on funeral expenses. Least expensive casket. Uh, Convince his friend to cover the bil- the bu- burial bills because she forgot her wallet at the funeral. Which okay. Is like...
1: okay, bitch. No. But, like, you're going to a funeral. You're not going to be like, let me grab my wallet. You know what I mean? No, yes, you are. It's, okay. Your wallet's in your purse. Right. You're not a man. Right. You didn't forget it on the counter. It's all in that one satchel that women have carried since the dawn of time. Okay. So... Go ahead and throw that on your shoulder every time you leave the house and that would never happen to you. So you're, you're right. It's you know, imagine friends. walking into a funeral freehand like that. <laughs> Just like, hey, I'm, I'm grieving, where do I put my hands?
2: It makes no sense. It's that friend who always goes out with that and didn't want to carry her purse and right. so you have to pay for her dinner, except you have to pay for her husband's funeral.
1: God. That's like high society scumbag action yeah. right there. Da,
2: da, da. Okay, and she was late for the services. You of her can... own husband's funeral? Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't give a shit. No. Um, she arrived at the very last minute dressed to the nines in a fucking mink coat. No,
1: no, no. No. Shit. Yeah. She rolled up like ludicrous at that funeral. She's <laughs> just like. Hey, she's like, What's up? (laughs) Call me. Call me. me. That's oh my God. Uh Uh-huh. Jesus. Um
2: and by this by this time she had gotten the two hundred and twenty thousand dollars from the life insurance. Less than a year after his death, she gets the fuck out of Dallas for good because I think everyone is just talking so much shit. (laughs) Just like, sorry, let me light this
1: torch real quick. I'm just gonna...
2: (laughs) Yeah. Relocates
1: to Marin, uh, Marin County. Oh, that's yes. in the North Bay of California. Yeah, right near you. Kind of near me. Okay. But Marin County is the richest county in California, I believe. It's, she, yeah. And my county was Sonoma County, with which we had the most, uh, chickens. <laughs> proud, proud uh, fact.
2: Impressive. Okay, so then, of course, she's still fucking hot and beautiful and no one knows, she changes her name, no one knows her past, uh, and so one man loans her $23,000 there, another man loans her $70,000, <laughs> like the dude she's hooking up with. Neither of them saw a penny of it back and they, even though they had bro- both brought her to court. Um, so she moves around a lot from there, using social security numbers of other people, takes out credit cards and uh, other people's names, including her three kids, of course, whose fucking credit she destroyed. Yeah. Which, like, oh, I always hate those stories. <laughs> That's so- your least favorite part of the story. <laughs> credit is so important. Good credit. In 2006, she resurfaces in North Carolina and began using the name Camille Camille Bowers. Um, and she tells everyone that she is uh, not a nun, but like a religious uh, person, I guess. And she she does like, uh, she goes to India to take care of children and build houses and stuff Wait, like that. Wait, is this
1: the Mother Teresa story? <laughs>
0: yes, <laughs> this is
2: how Mother Teresa started. <laughs> so she's telling all these people that, and so she moves in with a woman named Sue Mosley. She's a 77-year-old woman who lived in a million-dollar home on the Carolina coast. She's incredibly wealthy, um, and she was basically going to live in their, the house and take care of the housework. And she'd get free room and board, which is like, that's fucking sweet. Sign me up. So then, of course, she sets to work taking over this woman's finances. She collected tax records, rerouted her Social Security payments to a new account, took money off the mortgage uh siphoned off the mortgage money she'd like intercept the money and they were and then she'd get the mail every day and it was like your house is going to get foreclosed on and she'd be like shred you know what I mean?
1: yes that's how I do everything
2: <laughs> <laughs> so she just fucking uses all this woman's money she goes to the she's like I'll go with you to the bank sure let's run an errand and then like meets the teller so they'd like know her and she's like I'm, w- I'm with her whatever <laughs> so Then, her son, Jim Mosley, gets really suspicious, and in early 2007, he comes across a lengthy newspaper report in the Dallas Observer chronicling Sandra's life. Oh, and the reason she left Marin is because in uh, the D Magazine, fucking, our friend Skips Hollandworth wrote like a tell-all about her, and like, people saw it in Marin, and she was like, you're gonna get out of here. Are you serious? Yeah. So finally, that with working with police, there's, with, uh, Jim, there's a sting, police sting, which sounds fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and on March 2nd, 2007, <laughs> she's arrested in Charlotte, North Carolina, and she's charged with identity theft, fraud.
1: <laughs> fraud? Fucking fraud is so much worse than fraud, you guys. Theft and theft and fraud. Yeah, fraud. Theft
2: and fraud. Let's make this easier, quicker. Fraud. <laughs> Male theft, thief, theft, and social security fraud.
1: <laughs> they um, wait. Sorry, but can you imagine? You're like, there's like, oh my, my elderly mom has a new young roommate who really has an interest in her life and the bank. And then <laughs> you pick up a magazine uh-huh. that has an entire article about this woman uh-huh. and, and how ha- she maybe killed
2: husbands and a and a woman. Yeah, yeah, murders people, murders. It's maybe
1: fucking nuts.
2: Okay, so uh, because of that, they, uh new interest in the death of Alan uh, Rarick is renewed. Oklahoma City Police put new resources and manpower into the investigation. Yeah. In February 2008, Sandra Camille Powers pleaded guilty to one count of identity theft and at her fucking trial the mother of Alan is in the fucking audience just being like yeah bitch I'm gonna come out she wears a pin with her son's face on it (gasps) just so she could she said I wanted him her to see his face and know that I'm fucking not giving up on this yeah so um yeah
1: fucking moms damn yeah
2: so she's in prison and they are looking into the, the, the death and they're not giving up on it. Nice. That is your black widow, Sandra Bridewell. You guys.
1: That was amazing. You know what I think would be fun? Huh? Um, we should ask Stephen, cause you know Stephen puts that we find those pictures and then he puts them on those amortises basically. We should tell him put up one, one random picture at the end because yes. like for some reason I just want to press this button one more time but Do there's it. nothing there's Betsy oh. oh my god oh my god all the lights <laughs> out. I just put us into a vacuum
2: uh well that's her with that's Alan right there with her with her children
1: look how cute he is wait it? and so is that is that her that's she, her yeah she looks different in every picture like that I, wasn't I don't
2: her. the other one wasn't her. no no I know oh. that but
1: Then that's her there with him, too, as well. Right. But that doesn't look like the lady's laying sideways with her weird 80s hair. (laughs) To me. (laughs) I think that's fair. Do you think it's a bunch of different women? Yes. (gasps) Finally, I get to say my theory. we solve it. It's
0: quadruplets.
1: (laughs) Okay. Do we have time? Yeah, let's do a hometown? hometown murder, you guys. (laughs) under that thing I was like in that table big time okay tell them the rules okay listen this is the hometown murder part where we want somebody to come up here and tell us your hometown murder we'd love it if it was local we love it if it's short you're not allowed to read off paper and you can't be so drunk that you can't follow your own line of thinking (laughs) you have to be able to tell your story concisely can we get uh oh
2: god Oh my God, this don't always scares me. Panic, I'm panicking, Georgia. I'm panicking. Don't Everyone panic. looks so nice. How about <laughs> you in this, yeah. You in the front. Oh, she made a face like, all right. She, she did, oh, that's gonna be good. Go that's a Vince. good sign. There's
0: Vince.
3: Hi. 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 Hello, I'm Angela. Hi, Angela. Hi, Angela. Hi, Angela. Hi. Come get in you here. You stand
1: in the
2: middle. Come here. Okay. Cool, you have cool to shoes. Come here. Cool um, shirt. Yeah. Where are you from? Fort Worth. Fort Worth. Yeah. It's really bright.
3: I know. Isn't yeah, crazy? It's, it's
2: bright or you have to see all the people and it's scary. So you I just know. have to go with
3: lights. Okay. So I went to high school with the killer. <gasps> we hung out together. Oh. Um, he was a jerk though. He made fun of me for being fat. Um, <laughs> fuck him. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so y'all didn't cover anything, Fort Worth, but we had a serial killer in the 80s. But, um... Well, wait,
1: did you come up here to admonish us? (laughs) Because you'll get fucking kicked off this (laughs) stick.
3: No, mine's really good. um,
1: (laughs) Don't kick me off! (laughs) Please don't.
3: Okay. Okay, so uh, September 1984, uh, there was a girl named Ginger Hayden, and her mother found her murdered in her apartment bedroom she had been stabbed 57 times and i went to high school with ginger and she was hanging out with all the same people i hung out with but for whatever reason that summer i didn't hang out with them so i didn't know ginger well Mm. but um it was a cold case Um, i do remember Mm. i went to her funeral and that was one of the saddest things ever yeah um but so for years they didn't know who did it they for 26 years, they didn't know, but they wow. thought it was either the boyfriend, the neighbor, or there was actually a uh, rapist who lived in the apartments too. Oof. Like, pick one, Great, great, com- <laughs> great complex. Oh, my parents right. moved just there later. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, interesting stuff's happening over there. Ginger lived over there. And, oh. yeah. um, but yeah, 26 years later, the DNA showed that this guy Shane, who we all actually knew he did it, and he kind of freaked out six months later after the murder and left. He said, you guys thought I think I did it, and he left, and nobody <gasps> ever saw him again. Hmm. Which is one of those, okay, instantly, you know, he's the one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so now he's serving a life sentence in prison. Yeah. yeah. That's Wait, great. So, so he was one of the kids who hung out in the group.
2: Yeah. And was he her boyfriend? Or he no, was in love with the her. Problem. He was
3: in love with her, but she was with somebody
2: else. Oh. Oh. And they didn't look into him. They never suspected him. Oh, they did. Oh. They, they, they just couldn't so prove it. it. Yeah, and the right. D- good old DNA, our friend DNA. Yeah. Oh my God, that's amazing. So,
3: yeah, it was really weird because when the when the trial started happening, okay, there was a few of us girls who always kind of kept up with it, and we kept writing to the reporters, going, "Are you going to cover it?" Well, when it came about, the the judge wouldn't let the reporters in, or he would not let them have TV cameras so most of the the local news didn't really cover it but this one reporter wrote about it and she quoted me saying we never forgot her that was not me saying I was her friend because that would be disrespectful because I didn't know her that well but all of a sudden 48 hours is calling me and different reporters are calling me and I'm like no I can't but this one (laughs) guy But it was so funny. The guy from 48 hours is like, You went to high school with my uncle. And I was like, Dude, you hadn't get 48 hours. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. I did not let myself get interviewed. Okay. Nobody else would either because they were afraid if he was found not guilty, they'd come (gasps) after him. (sighs) Oh,
2: but he's guilty and he's He's, away
3: forever. He's He's away. Oh, good. Oh my God. Oh my God. God, That was amazing.
1: amazing. Good job. Here. Yes, here. You get the red flag.
3: Right. What's your name again? I'm Angela. And by the way, my niece is with me. So we have the VIP. You get to meet her. Oh, great. <laughs> her husband's family knew the eyeball killer.
2: Oh. Wow.
1: <laughs> oh, honey. Where'd she go? I see her. She's laying on the floor. <laughs> Let's hear it for Angela, yeah. everybody. That was amazing. amazing Great job. job. Oh, my God. What a perfect ending. Oh. What a perfect ending. Uh, yeah. These shows have been so fucking incredible. I, we knew it was going to be good yeah. because you guys, from the beginning of this podcast, have had this area, and Houston, sorry, both places, have had the highest number of listeners for our podcast across the board. Yeah. You guys have been so supportive of us, and
2: uh, we appreciate it so much. We, everyone we've met this weekend has been so kind, and every show has been so much fun and supportive. And, and fucking loud. You guys are so
1: awesome. It really... Um, it sounds super cheesy, but we really mean it. The fact that this is what we get to do for a fucking living now is the funnest and most exciting thing, and it's because of your support. Thank you so much for being here. Thank, Thank you. you so much for listening. And of course, as always, stay sexy. And don't get murdered! Bye, you guys. Thank you.